on the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute that millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast, hosted by Michael and Johnny. It's the what, middle of October now. There's only four weeks left in the DP World Tour before we get to the DP World Tour Championship. PGA Tour is on a little bit of a lull. They had the Shriners going on last week. Lexi Thompson played, missed the cut. It was an interesting story. But Michael, how are you? What you get on to? What you get up to? Did you watch much golf? I watched a lot of golf, I'll be honest with you. Good. Yeah, I was actually, I, I did actually watch a bit of Lexi. I thought it was an, an interesting idea. I'm not really sure how uh, how much I like the idea of throwing a female golfer into the mix. I mean, I see it's, I see it's, it's positives and negatives. But I, yeah, to be fair, I did watch a bit of Lexi. I do like Lexi, especially after the Solheim Cup. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought, like, you know, if you put, like, like the world number one female player or someone who's having a better year than Lexi, um, that makes sense. But Lexi's also, like, I think she's a partner of the Shriners charity or something. So, um, I think that that's probably why it was, but sure. I don't think that's the biggest story. I think from our side, the, uh, the DP world tour is in a stronger, like, you know, seasonally throughout the year, different legs of different tours are better. Like I really enjoyed the like October to January on the DP world tour. Cause we're in Europe time zone wise. It, like it's very easy to watch for us. You wake up in the morning and the golf is on straight away. And then we go over to Abu Dhabi, Dubai, like it all just works really well. And, so these these like six or seven weeks for me are are a big one. And the Spanish Open was was a lot of fun. Um, Matthew Pavon earned his maiden D, DP World Tour title. He had a he's the fifth wire to wire winner on the DP World Tour this season. That's that's pretty impressive. I thought. Did you watch much of the Spanish Open? I got to see little bits of it, but I, I was really struck with how emotionally he was um, when he won. I thought that was really cool. I think I think someone. Someone on the DP World Tour tweeted it in a reply to another golf competition that was uh, that was going on to show the difference in them, um, which I thought was quite funny. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he played really well. Yeah, um, obviously he finished as runner-up last year to John Ram. Last year, John Ram won the Spanish uh, Open title, his national Open, for the third time which is the same amount of time that Seve won it. So when he won last year, he was crying. He was really emotional. He's saying, like, obviously Seve's an idol for any Spanish golfer, but for him, he was saying that to do anything that Seve has done would be absolutely, is incredible for his career. So if he wins it once more, he's won the second most amount of Spanish Open titles. Someone, can't remember his name, won the Spanish Open five times between, like, 1920 and 1960 like over over a 40-year period okay. where i just yeah. kind of cleaned up so um that would be, that's that's a nice thing for for john ram to kind of try and set his set his mind to and set his targets to um to try and make a little bit of history but yeah this swing in particular i find is always really good watch because there's so much going on you know there's guys fighting for tour cards try guys trying to get into the top 50 in the dp world tour season to get into the tour championship and then you have guys who are just trying to like 
fight for their career and just try and get another season on the DP World Tour. Um, as I mentioned, John Ram, he, he didn't successfully defend his title, but he's already said that he's going back next year, which uh, he loves playing. It's kind of like Rory and Shane playing the Irish Open. He's always going to come home, always going to play his National Open. It's um, it's it's cool to see. I watched his round yesterday, John Ram, and he just made a serious run. He didn't. Even, he wasn't the best run of the day. Marcel Seam had the lowest round of the day, but John Ram went six under through the first eight holes and shot thirty on his front nine out of a, obviously it's a seventy par seventy one, so he was six under through the, the mm-hmm. front nine, uh, and I was honestly I thought he was going to make a serious serious charge, but then he started like he just cooled off a lot in the back nine. And was just getting so angry, like proper, like fiery John Ram. He was kicking his sand wedges all over the place after he, I think it was on 14, he had one approach. It like pitched to maybe like two, three feet just beyond the flag. And he had too much spin on it that it rolled all the way back, basically to the very front of the green. It was on a two tier green. And after after that happened, he just drop kicked the sand wedge across the fairway. He was so angry. Love to see it though. Like, like that, that's, that's what you want from John Ram. But like that's his personality, and I think trying to make him change is just pointless. Like I think it, we've always said that, you know, even when we're looking at like I think two of us probably aren't really big fans of Bryson when he was on the tour, but it was like, but he's given us something extra. It's not just the same old thing, same golfer doing the same thing. We need to have different golfers with different personalities, otherwise it's just monotonous. So. He needs to let him let him drop kicking and stuff, you know. Like it's 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 all part it's it's all part of him and it's all part of that fiery Spanish nature. Um, and again, it just shows that he wants to win. And I think, as you said, Spanish Open is very important to him. I I personally don't see how whatever country you're from, whatever your Open isn't your fifth major. To me, that it, yes. it's, it's it's to me it's just obvious that you know if I, if I'm Rory, my Irish Open wins are up there right on the same as my majors. And if I'm Shane, my Irish Open win is right beside the Claret Jug on par with it, you know? Um, same thing, I think, if, if if Bob had won the Scottish Open, he'd always say, oh, that was so big. So, you know, I, lo- I, I love a National Open anyway. Like, you know, I do. I love it. But we've been saying this from, like, since day one when you joined the podcast. Because also, like, remember the Canadian Open, like, the, all the drama around that. Mm. Having having someone from your home country win in your, your home National Open, that that is that is massive. Now, at the moment, the DP World Tour is on, like, a two-week Spanish swing, we'll call it. So they head over to the Andalusia Masters in Sota Grande. Um, this is a place that you know fairly well, isn't it? Yeah, I played a bit of golf around there um, uh, back in a little bit. I was at the Andalusia Masters. Uh, in fact, I sat, it was in Valderrama, and I sat on the bank of the the 16th to 17th. I'd have to double check, but basically it's this massive big drive, and then the, the green is in this bowl-shaped kind of cauldron. I was sitting at the back of it, and I watched Sergio put two in the water and nearly in, like, start throwing clubs around the place um talking about fiery spanish yeah it's just it ain't that yeah exactly but i think that part of spain like i think i think there's probably there could be like 100 golf courses within about a 30 40 kilometer radius all around there um and it's just a really 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 cool place um to it's just going to kind of golf country all along that coast 
Yeah, so it's going to be that that starts now this week. There's some big names as well as some friends of the pod that are going to be playing in the Andalusian Masters. It just announced this morning that uh, Wyndham Clark is going to be playing, Matt Kuchar has committed, Rafa Cabrera Bayo, and Ryan Fox is going to be playing in the Andalusian Masters. Obviously, we're also going to have like Tom McKibben from the Irish perspective. Um, he missed the cut this week, so hopefully, hopefully he can uh, get a little bit of weekend golf under his belt. But this is again shaping up to be another big event. Yeah, like and, and Sada Grande is, is a pretty pretty cool place. Like it's like a little kind of fishing village, and then just in off the coast, then you've got this the the uh, the huge golf course, um, which is is uh, is pretty cool. So there'll be a great buzz around around, around the place. The kind of whole village gets involved. It's what I would maybe i'd kind of liken it to when like the irish open was at the hinch where it's it's very in close around the place like the village is just right beside it um so i think that it'd be really really cool when i so when i went in it was in so it would have been a couple of years ago it was kind of the end of july um and the numbers aren't massive in spectators at them i was surprised nowhere near as big as when when things are in, in ireland um i was kind of expecting it to be um like stuffed with, with, with fans so i'm hoping now that but that was so the last one was in valderrama and that's kind of off the motorway down the road but sada grande is in the in the kind of village of sada grande and there's like it's really kind of like an old fishing village spain but there's just loads of restaurants and loads of bars and loads of hotels so you can actually walk from there to sada grande so i'd say there will be uh, like numbers will be pretty big um, and there's a lot of holiday homes there as well, like an apartment blocks so for a holiday home. So I'd say they will have um, a, a, the crowd will be pretty decent at it. So you you likened sort of Grande to the Hinge there a couple of times. Season three of yeah. Tea Time is obviously live. Episode one has has been live for about a week now. Episode two, where we played Trump Dubeg, goes live on Wednesday. And um, we played a match against Barry and Paul from the Four Right Boys, Friends of the Podcast. This is a fun episode. Like this was a, I sent this episode on to you a couple of days ago. This episode at Doombeg is very different to to the Castle Course. It was a lot of fun. Both both episodes, I think we really tried to get across the fun aspect to it. But two very very different golf courses. This is your first time playing from Doombeg. I played there before. I played there before. Um, what do you make of it? It was it was incredible. I think the. The grandeur of, of each hole is pretty is is incredible. Um, the first hole is it's one of the most beautiful looking holes I've I've ever seen. Um, and then as you just kind of go through, you feel like you don't you feel like you're in a different world. You don't. It's it's hard to kind of kind of put your finger on where you are in the world when you're walking through. The dunes are so high, and you know you sit in a tee box and all you can see is where you're trying to hit it. Um, and it probably probably doesn't get the credit it deserves. Um, probably to you know, I think with we spoke about this a little bit on the pod, but the the ownership and, and and people kind of jumped down that and and actually that I think that takes can take away people's actual opinion on the golf course and how it actually plays and the shots you have to hit and and that and I think that's that that's a shame because it is an incredible golf course. Yeah, it's it's easily one of my one of my top ten golf courses in the country. Um. I'd nearly say top five, to be honest with you. It's it's a it's a lot of fun, but also just the experience that we had that day. So we obviously we played a match, we played a a, a great game against Paul and Barry. So Paul O'Neill is the assistant pro there at Doombeg. Um, Barry was a twelve handicap. So we played, we played them on a match, and we were off to a flyer. I mean, I'm not going to give the episode away, but like we were, 
we were three up through three we were five up through through nine at one point and it was just a brilliant brilliant game and actually a few people got got in touch with me and um a few people, people were talking to me off the back of episode one and the pints game that we played people are loving that game so far there people are saying that that's that's a game that they're going to start doing with their mates now because there's so much chaos to it yeah, it's a great game because we were we were doing well after playing the castle course. It was all fun and games then, and then we play one of the, the toughest golf courses I've ever been on, and things change. And we're we're playing three different games, and then ha- I had a ham and cheese toasty. Then you know it, there was a lot going on in my head that can, threw me all over the shop. But um, yeah, like it was so much so much fun playing. Like I, I would come, like I hope it comes through as much fun we had with the lads and the slagging that was going on as well. Um, but what like we had a beautiful day for it as well um and just each each different hole in the in 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 dune bag is is a joy to play there's no filler in holes which um is something that i, I think everyone can can get into when they play a golf course where they i don't want to say black out for two or three holes but you just kind of go up and back up and back okay like and then, oh this is a great one it was every time we stood in a tee box i turned to you i was like god this is class and this is a weird shot are we going to play this and which i which i I loved yeah i think when when you play a few different golf courses like we've obviously we also get to play a good bit there are a few courses that have holes where the purpose of the hole is to get you to a certain piece of the property or to get you to a stretch of holes and so basically you get to a point where like all right we need a par four and a par three here to get us to the signature hole over there Doombag for me just didn't really have that like it was like straight from the outset you have a couple of big holes and one and two like good driving holes and then when you get like to like six six for me is is my is my favorite one of my favorite holes par four with the with the tee box kind of built out basically on the on the beach or over the beach and you got to carry this massive uh this massive crater to get to the fairway it's a tight fairway bunkers everywhere and it pinches up to this green it's a lovely little hole not the longest hole by any stretch of the imagination but um this is a lot of jeopardy and it's just from a viewpoint you've got you've got then the the beach and the sea to your left hand side you've got the massive dunes you're you're elevated as well so you get to look so far around and if you get it on a day like we got it you can step upon a tee box or step upon a green and just look 360 around you and just you, you can't help but really enjoy and just be in awe of where you, where you are because obviously like the castle that the Doombay castle where the the hotel is looks amazing as well like the further you get away from from it you just go like it's massive it's the only huge thing like man-made in the area it's just big dunes big beach and then this castle it's a dark castle it looks cool and then coming back up like 14 the the part three it's like 120 yards tiny little hole tough little hole tough green uh you hit one of the best shots of the day onto that green which <laughs> it was just unbelievable when your ball was sat up on the rough you had to hit the golf club turn the golf club upside down hit it like a backwards uh, yeah, baseball I, I... shot and shipped it to like like I, I i'm not doing it justice but like you were down in a little fall off the ball was up on the rough kind of waist height chest height you turned your golf club upside down <laughs> chip it it hits off the face of the uh the mound goes onto the green to about like six feet or so i was and like i remember you and i having a conversation around the shot and you were like no no i like this shot i like this i hated that yeah shot. you it was like it was, 
it was a full kind of speed greller moment where you were like, I think at first you thought I was just taking the piss. Yeah. And you're like, just hit it. And I was like, no, this is much better. I've no, I can't swing the other way. And you're like, you're going to miss the ball. I said, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I remember you look, I remember you walking away going, he's an idiot. Like what's going on? Uh, yeah, I just, it was just the way, I don't know. It was just the way it was sitting. I was like, I could get a club on that. Um, and you did. Yeah, that was, a, that was, a, <laughs> I did. Yeah, that was, that was a, I think I missed the putt though. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to embarrass. I'm going to embarrass a friend of the pod now. What was the hole where we interrupted Onya Donegan's photo shoot? That was on sixty. Um, that yeah, that's sixty. That's cool. That's a really cool hole. Yes, um, and I'm embarrassed now. She was having her photo shoot out across there, but she listen. Um, she's used to it now at this stage. She's uh, well yeah, well really cool. Really cool. Yeah. So that was no. That was a really cool hole. Um, and then to be fair, we got a we got some nice treats on that hole. I think that I think that saved me for the next couple <laughs> the next uh, couple of holes after that. Um, but yeah, I, I I personally think the first and the eighteenth, I think sum up what you're you're in for. I think the first, the tee box right outside the clubhouse with the big huge clock in front of you, and the the grandeur of the dunes like. You know, and then coming up eighteen, where you've you're you, you have to kind of keep it close to the coast, but you can't go too close. And I think I even I think in the video you see on the eighteenth, like I chipped, I was down left in kind of a valley, and I tried to chip up onto the green. And the minute I hit it, I was like, oh, I'm up there. And then it rolled all the way back down to me from like 40, 40 feet. And I think. And 40 feet's not a joke. Like, that's not an exaggeration at all. It was genuinely 40. He was genuinely 40 foot below the green. Yeah. And I think normally you're like, oh, that's so annoying. But I was like, man, that's links. I actually kind of went, well, that's what I get for not hitting it 41 yards and getting it up there. And I, you know, I, I was in, because I was enjoying the linksy side of it. Um, but that is, that's, that the 18 finishing hole is a great hole. Yeah, no, it's a super experience. And I, I think we obviously have to say a massive thank you to Paul and Kevin and, and the entire team at, at Dunbeg for hosting us for that episode. Like they, it was members week. So it was actually quite a tough, tough week for us to get out on the golf course. And, and they made it, they made it very special. They made it, they made it happen for us. And because it was members week, there were lots of, lots of treats that I guess you wouldn't ordinarily get. Like there were, there were drinks in the first tea. They had a cart going around handing out free drinks as well. And, um that was probably the most i've ever drank on a golf course yeah me too because i i'd never really i don't drink that much on a golf course but i felt like the atmosphere that was going on and the atmosphere was unbelievable because there was yeah. people flop, flop flying around and there was something we got and we had a little like even in the pro shop like pro shop is so nice yeah it's lovely oh, it's oh so uh yeah so it was really cool yeah so episode two of tea time come goes live this wednesday obviously we're playing trump doing bag um Lots happens in this episode. It's 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 a very fun episode, and we've got we obviously have Ken Carney on again to talk about talk about the, the golf course. We've got a couple other guests talking about the how special Doombeg is and and its role within kind of the wider economy. Because like I said, the elephant in the room when it comes to to Doombeg is its ownership. Some people have have problems with that, but for us, we talk very much about the actual golf course and the experience in the golf course and your opinion on on Donald Trump one way or the other is kind of irrelevant to the golf course and how it plays and how much it supports the uh, the local economy and and the guys in Doombeg were also at at um great went through great lengths to talk about how important 
the town of Doombag is to to the hotel guest experience as well. So it's uh, yeah, good yeah. course and like great, great experience. Yeah, we like did you say it's kind of it's a different situation to the the Scotland one as well. So I think it, it's very different. And it was what I really liked was um, you see in a video like Barry Barry's you know a good Clare man. So he's very you know proud of 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 Doombag and what it means to Clare, what the golf means there. So like I. Like a really good fun chatting to him all the way around and just listening to to his opinions on, on Claire Golf. Yeah, I guess. And there's no way he's a, he's a twelve either. That's you know, Barry can. Yeah, you think yeah he's he hoodwinks you into the nice guy act, but Barry's a killer. <laughs> Barry's a twelve <laughs> the same way you're an eighteen. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not a killer. He, Barry, Barry be smiling at you as he drains a birdie to 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 take your life away, you know. <laughs> That's it. The way I'd explain it is, yeah, Barry Barry's a, a a sniper. He'll just kind of make these long range putts, whereas you're an escape artist. You'll be in some horrendous <laughs> situations and be like, bang, okay, I'm on the green. We're all good. Um, moving on then from 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 Doombag and from Tea Time. We have a competition going on at the moment with so Farris Resort and Golf Club. We're giving away a midweek break and a round of golf for two that includes bed and breakfast at the hotel. Um, we're currently running that across our Twitter and our Instagram accounts, as well as all the other kind of social media profiles. Basically, once we hit 3,000 uh, followers on either of those profiles, we're going to be giving away that competition. Um, we're closing in on that number, so if you guys want to share it, it's a nice midweek break. Again, you're talking about a luxurious stay with a very nice golf course. Tulfaris is uh, pretty tough to beat, to be honest with you. You've played there. Yeah. Yeah, I played uh, twice. Um, then there's really nice. Like, and I know like I said it before, but like some of the, the holes where the lakes come into play um, are incredible. And the 17th and 18th is like the 17th are really sharp dog leg where depending on the wind, you got to land it in a zone and then it's a direct right angle back then over water onto a green, um, which is kind of really cool because you need to get your yardages right to give yourself a chance. Um, and then the finishing 18th hole again is back all the way along, kind of like kind of like a mirrored version of the 18th of K club, sort of where there's water all down one side and you got to mm. kind of bring it and how much you cut near the water gives you a chance onto the green. Um, so yeah, a really, a lot of fun that competition is rolling on at the moment so you can get involved in that live okay first of all i'm so confused <laughs> like who won like I'm, I'm like there was congratulations here congratulations there you won this you won what like i don't know who, who won what so taylor gooch won the season-long individual championship it wasn't made very clear uh by their social media posts but basically he won he won Liv's equivalent of the FedEx Cup or the DP World Tour Championships race to Dubai. So, so there was no final. Like I was trying to figure this out. Like was there was no he was like, but he came like fourth or something, did he? Yeah. I think I think this was meant to be the final, but it just again wasn't made very clear. Because it was in it was in uh it was in Jeddah. So it was in Saudi Arabia, which um sure was a lot of fun. I'm sure the the players yeah. had a lot of fun at that tournament, especially Brooks, who went from the Ryder Cup, going from that, going from the Ryder Cup to Jeddah, I say, is a stark, stark contrast. Um, but he won, he won the title, he retained the title as well. Um, just a quick note before we get on to Brooks and Liv and everything. Mm. 
So Taylor Gooch won $18 million for winning the season long uh, race. But just in case there's anyone from Live listening, which I think is also highly unlikely, you have a number of typos in your press release, <laughs> particularly in the first two par- paragraphs. Um, so just maybe, maybe fix those. Um, you know, it kind of adds to the whole we're a professional tour situation when you don't have typos. I mean, we're a joke, so obviously it's fine if we have typos, but if we had yeah, your I'm, level of backing, I guarantee yeah. you this, there would be no typos on our press releases. <laughs> so anyway, Brooks, uh, Brooks retained his Jetta title. Um, I'm not really sure if any of this means anything. Like, it's a week after the after we found out that Liv Dunk didn't get those OWGR points. They didn't meet the criteria, and that's just, you know, you want to meet criteria, you've got to, you want OWGR points, you got to meet the criteria set out by the, by the governing bodies. Yeah, like I felt there was a lot of hullabaloo over that and all this, you know, what this deserves, that deserves it. Like there has to be structures in place to get to get it. There isn't everything. You, you can't just set up a football tournament and demand that your team are going to qualify for something. You can't do the same. You can't set up another tennis tournament and go, is there, there has to be regulations to go, okay, if you get this, 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 and that, that's what happens. So I know the lads are like all the, the golfers at once the ranking points half are going to come out and say it like Bryson went and said it but of course, course he is he's not he's not going to turn and be like oh no we don't deserve them but like just if they're going to make up their mind are they going to be an event that gets ranking points well then you're going to have to change things to get it or yeah. you're going to be um, a completely different type of golf and different sort of atmosphere well that's fine but they don't worry about ranking points you can't have both in my opinion um, now Whichever one they want to do, I think grand and you can set up your tournament how you want, but just just do what's being asked and you get your points. Or at least then you have an argument. There should be no argument from the guys. You don't meet the criteria, no points. If they do meet all the criteria and don't get it, well, then we'll have a discussion. Yeah, like for me, like a really easy comparison for this is, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Brian McElhenney who bought the Wrexham team. The equivalent would be like them turning around and going, we're going to pump all this money into this team in Wrexham. We want to play in the Premier League. It's like, no, like you can buy the team, go for it 100%. But you got to earn your way and qualify your way up to the Premier League. You guys are currently in League Two. Like you've got a long way to go. And they're doing it. Like I'm I'm using the Wrexham example because I'm watching that documentary series. But could you imagine if they turned around and were like, no, put us in Premier League right now. It's the exact same, the exact same criteria. You meet the rules. Play by the rules and sure then you can have your OWGR points but you just got to fit the criteria and that's just for me that's the end of it yeah well like you you, you can't get ranking points you can't have one people playing four rounds with a cut and one playing three rounds and then getting the same ranking points for a tournament yeah Doesn't absolutely work. yeah i do however want to go to a live event in 2024 um just because you have so yeah. many people going on on twitter at the moment and like it's so polarized people on like some people hate it and you're like fine you hate it for political personal whatever kind of reasons and that's that's fine that's grand but you're almost blinded by your hatred of it and then you also have people on the other side of it who are like this is the greatest thing ever invented and you're like okay well i definitely can't trust that opinion because that absolutely isn't so i'd like to go and form my own perspective and my own opinions on a tournament from like the competitive side but also like I'm sure there are aspects of it that the DP World Tour and PGA Tour could look at and go, that'd be worth that'd be worth introducing to our tournament, or that'd be worth giving a go or well, trying like it a, out. 
we, like, we love the Ryder Cup. We love the atmosphere that the cheering goes on and, you know, what it means. So the, if there was a way that can be brought into golf on a weekly basis or whatever, yeah, okay, well, that's, that's great. Let's have that. Let's mean more. Let's make putts mean more, you know. And if if Liv has that where, okay, they're playing music at, you know, certainly like you and I both love the Canadian Open when they had the ice rink around around it. Yeah. We both thought that we both thought it was pretty good. Now, some people hate it. I and I, I I'm not forcing that on anyone. You, you I, I I could understand why people don't like it, but I thought it was pretty cool and had the refs there. So and we were talking about making golf cool. Yeah, there there has to be something that we can take from it as well. Now, I have I've talked to a few people that have gone to live events. One of them has said it was class. It was like an atmosphere on a, on a tee box was pretty cool. The same person said there was another tee box where there was a DJ and it was just a bit kind of awkward because there wasn't the same vibe. Uh, and it was kind of like, I mean, they just need to turn this music off. It's not really working here. But then it, and that was maybe the 16th tee, but then it worked on the first tee. So yeah. it was like, it was. so there's obviously teething problems when you're trying to change things. But um, yeah, I definitely think, and I, I think if you're going to have an opinion on something, you need to have done your due diligence as well. We've been Freddie's, kind of spoken out about live so i think it's only fair if we got to an event to come back and go this was cool like this hated that that was a good idea because there, there there's definitely has to be things in it that that we can take and and even for a certain event in golf like you know we've spoken about before we'd love to have more like the the hero golf world cup stuff and the, and like i think we're both very big on a team golf sort of thing mm. yeah big time and like one thing i do like about about live is their team aspect i think you look at the ladies european tour the ramco team series is a is a very good format that works for them i i, I think you could definitely have a season like in the way with the new dp world tour schedule and the way that it's broken up into different blocks you could easily mm. have a team block as part of that season like so you said maybe like, a, like like she so said if the pga had instead of like an, an autumn swing series it was yeah. the team events in, in the, all across there and then we went back to the door then we went back to individual events then yeah, it's, yeah. Not it's not a bad idea like like if you look at it from like the like on the pga tour side at the moment the guys who are playing at the moment are trying to secure their tour card or you have guys like tom Kim who are just trying to make as much money as possible like he's well into the like top 40 or 50 in the world he's just there to try and make bank but if you had a setup where you've got a team of four, obviously there's an individual championship to it as well. Same way there is with Liv and with the Aramco team series. But there's also a team element. And if you got some kind of like improvement on your PGA Tour status by being on a winning team, like it, it, it could get people to buy into it a bit more. I think it'd just be a good aspect. And then it's also like, if you do it in fall, I also hate the word fall because we're not American. If you do it in the autumn, like... Mm you're not going to get guys like Rory or John Ram or, or JT playing because they're like, I don't need to play. I can't be arsed. It's in that time of the year. So it doesn't offend those guys. You know, they can, they can be as involved or as, or as uninvolved with it as they want. But I think it's, 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 it's a fun aspect that we don't get enough of in golf. And we were talking about how good the Ryder cup was like, we'll tune in for the president's cup next year. Team golf can be very, very fun. You know, if you do it, if you do it right. But, like um the the team championships are next week on live and that's going to be taking place in miami and unlike last year it's now its own event which i think is very good so like last year they did the individual and the team thing at the same time 
and there was like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I don't like that. There was too much yeah, chaos. Too going much on. going on. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind it for like a regular, like week on week event where obviously the two things are scoring at the same time. But when you're trying to crown a winner, being able to make the team thing its own event also makes it feel a bit more important. So that'll, I, yeah. I'll probably watch some of that. But I, th- I, th- I think we should watch that and let's have an opinion on it. I think let's let's like it's because because I think one thing we are positive about this thing is like the team golf perspective and definitely after the Ryder Cup, there's there's definitely something there within the golf circle. I mean, even I think that's even why like I even you look at the Irish kind of club championships and stuff and talking to when we had like Mark would be very like a big he's big down in Cork and Lee Valley and they get to all Ireland's and they won Munster Cup like the team event does like it is very enjoyable. So I think that we should have probably have a look at that. And then, geez, I can't even remember who my team was. I, I know I did their, their, the quiz on the live website. <laughs> we took oh, yeah. teams. I can't even remember. Oh, who did I get? I think, I think I have Phil. I think I, I, think have I got Phil. the I all that. I got like Martin Keimer and those boys. That's a terrible team. You yeah. Shit. So I don't, I, yeah. So I don't even know who I'm meant to be supporting. Um, but yeah, I think we'll have a look at that. We can, I think it's still, it's still on YouTube, isn't it? Is it still on YouTube? I don't know. I think it is. I'll say yeah. We'll say yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Well, listen. We'll watch it and we'll 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 feed back to you guys and we'll, 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 we'll tell you what it's like. <laughs> yeah. We'll tell you whether or not it's worth your time. But yeah, we'll we'll give we'll give that a watch. So yeah. Then with then with that, we had Taylor Gooch just kind of making making some very interesting claims. Uh, obviously, he was very outspoken about the fact that he thinks Liv should be getting OWGR points, but. Uh, he then also went on to say he thinks he's the best golfer in the world, which, like, that's just property psychotic. There's no way Taylor Gooch, like, he wasn't anywhere near being one of the best players in the world when he left to join Liv. I just, I like, is it is it just that he won 18 million and saw the check and went, oh my God, I'm the best golfer in the world, I just won 18 million. I don't know where he's coming from thinking he's the, like, now, again, is, is, like, have they made a decision? Have like Taylor Gooch and Bryson sat down and said, every time we're talking here, we need to just blow everything out of proportion, make put our names in the front of every press release, every golf thing to show that, you know, we're 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 making birdies and we're smashing the ball over the place to to put live that little bit higher. Like, because it's I don't even think he believes he's the best in the world. I don't I don't see how you could. Like he he's not he, he like actually like I'm not a big Taylor Gooch fan but like I don't think he doesn't believe he's better than he doesn't think he's better than Brooks. There's no way he personally he's better than Brooks. And like okay, I think Brooks stand Brooks stand there going, "You're the best in the world, mate. You're not even the best on this green." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I As think he's standing there with his he's standing there with his Jedi trophy or whatever he won. Going, you're not even the best here, holding the trophy. Jedi trophy, <laughs> whatever it's called. <laughs> Yeah, I think like so. So the the head of PR for the Live t- Live League, he's just he's on Twitter and he's just a head melt. Anyway, he's gas. He thinks he's just the greatest thing since sliced bread. And he, so he was tweeting out that um, Taylor Gooch has won eighteen million dollars and has no exemptions into any of the majors next year, and it's a complete joke. And someone would commented underneath. He's like, he but he can like qualify to play in them. Like he can play through open mm. qualifying. He can, he can like 
play for open qualifying for the for the US Open as well. Obviously now Augusta's invitational, so he's not really going to get into that. Yeah, but he but, but he, can, he can qualify for the US Open, the Open, and the PGA because he's still then as a as a professional, he's still part of the Professional Golfer Association. Yeah, like you can enter yeah. into all those things, and then like you know, it also just comes back to it, like it also just comes back to like just play better golf in those things. If that if you want to play in the majors just show that you are the best in the world yeah and qualify mm-hmm. go through the open qualifying and then get into it and win one of them like like brooks did and come second into the two other ones like yeah. if you're going to complain about not being in the league in the majors like just shut up and do what sergio did and try and qualify for them like sergio garcia yeah. to be fair to him tried to qualify yeah like I, I i think we're probably in the space where live at some point will get ranked will get OWDO points because if they're going to stick around and they're not going to and obviously we still don't know the full effect of the merge or even if that word is correct or they're both going to live in harmony together in so if they're, they're here for the long haul which it sounds like they are they will get them but they set up to play as you said play by the rules and then it won't be an issue but to say because he's won the individual membership in on live like, I watched some fella hit a bunker shot. It came up on Twitter. There was a tire mark through the middle of the bunker. A tractor mark through the middle of a massive big bunker. And it's like, oh, he hit a shot and it was straight out of it. Like, if we were playing in anywhere and there was a, a tractor tire mark through the bunker, you'd not be going, this is a joke. And I, like, like, if you were standing there and you were like, I actually can't hit the shot because it's in this big tire mark. I'd go, man, rake it and throw the ball up into the air and throw it. Like, that's ridiculous. And that was on the, so there's there's still a long way for them to go before we can start claiming that Taylor Gooch deserve exemptions into Augusta for winning. Like, oh, come on. Yeah. And I think if they ever do get world ranking points, they'll never get what they think they deserve. Like, no. Let's say it's a case of to get world ranking points, you need to play four rounds, you have to have a cut. And there's a promotion relegation system. Even if they stick to three rounds, by virtue of that, you should only get, let's say, seventy-five percent of points, and they'll yep. be disgusted by that. They'll never be happy with whatever they get. Um, that's the sense that I get, anyway. Yeah, but like it's the same. Like the, the Champions League works on the strength of the league you're in. So for like England, get four teams in the Champions League. Ireland's Eritrea League gets one, but has to go through qualifying because the Premier League is harder. So they could do it that way and go, well, you're not, you know, your league isn't as hard as the PGA because you play three rounds. So we might give you a last ditch. So if the winner of Live might go to the last place qualifying for the majors, you know, there's there's ways to do it. And that's the way like the Champions League is working. Like, because people look at it and go, oh, it's the Champions League. There's not, it's not the champion of every country in Europe, but every champion in every country gets an opportunity to but it's still based on the strength of your league so because the fourth place in England is still going to be better than Dundalk or Shamrock Rovers so they could as you said do it that way where there's a percentage points to go if they don't want to change but why don't you just change (laughs) that's good didn't know that about the Champions League you're the football expert here on this on this podcast (laughs) but like like this the, the way they talk about it is like oh we want to play less golf well you can play less golf play less events, but have four rounds. Like, I don't think if you had asked any golfer before they went to live, you know, five years ago, is there a problem with playing four rounds? Oh, it's exhausting. We can't do it. That wasn't an issue. No. Really. It was just, and it was something thrown on the end to go, oh yeah, we'll play three rounds. Oh, grand. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of, we've, we've kind of uh, 
flog that horse enough now on the old live stuff. Yeah, it, it, it is where it is. Taylor Gooch is apparently the best golfer in the world. Take that, Sky Scheffler. <laughs> <laughs> After his Ryder Cup, Taylor Gooch could be better than <laughs> yeah, so, might be. Uh, He might be. Anyway, if I'm if, if I'm Scheffler, I'm not asking him for a one-on-one match anytime soon, anyway. <laughs> That's true. God, okay. Um so this week, uh, the Bogeyman merch merchandise, the Bogeyman bundle in collaboration with Chippy Golf has now started shipping, which is great. Uh, so we were doing pre-orders for the last few weeks and they are going to be hitting your, you know, your houses or whatever. The packages are going out very, very soon. So in case you haven't noticed or in case you haven't seen across our socials or on the podcast, we've, we've partnered up with Chippy Golf to bring you the very first Bogeyman merchandise. So that's... Uh, you can get a head cover on its own, or you can get a bogeyman and battle golf towel on its own, or you can get a bogeyman bundle, which is $39.99, and you get a driver head cover and a player's towel um, delivered to you. That includes like postage and all that stuff as well. So it's $39.99 all in, which uh, I was playing Dunleary Golf Club there, the uh, the upper and middle, by the way, after you upper, asked last week. Uh, yeah, upper and middle. Yeah, okay. So and the upper is quirky, isn't it? The upper's cool. I liked it. I, I, liked I like it. the upper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was playing that with Kane Healy, and he is a like the partnerships manager for a PGA Tour event and the World Tour event, the Barracuda Championship, which is over in like Tahoe in California. Very cool <laughs> event, to be fair. Yeah. But uh, he, he, I, I had the the head cover with me, and he saw it, and he was like, "I, I love a head cover." I need to get me one of these. So okay, that cool. was that was cool to see just because like I, I didn't talk about it, I didn't mention it. I just had it on the bag and he was like, I need to get me one of these. So um yep, they're going they're going very, very well. And if you want to support us and what we do, you can get you can get your bogeyman bundle, you can get your head cover, you can get your towel, just go to chippygolf.co or go to our uh, Instagram and our Twitter and you'll be able to get the link there and you'll be able to buy the buy the bundle. It's uh it's some cool stuff. Yeah, I, I I love it, and like I think the, the to be fair, the chippy golf stuff, the quality is very good. It's it's not just random kind of towel and and stuff. They you know the lads put a lot of time into their quality of their stuff, so it was great that they could do it first. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was saying that I played the upper and middle Dunleary, shot one of my best rounds of the year, which I was quite happy with. Got off to a slow start, but found my rhythm. Um, and I hit again all fades with the uh, with the driver, so. Things things are shaping up, but you have new clothes coming. Are you uh, are you, are you nervous about now changing? Um, the driver, no, because I got I got fit fit for that. Re- like I I really like that driver. That new paradigm driver is 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 lovely. It's a very different setup to what I I did have. So I had a nine degree driver, and I've gone to. A lighter shaft so my old shaft or the one i currently have this is the nerdy thing i was talking about in the last part why why golf okay? isn't cool yeah well why guys going there nerdy stuff isn't cool but like like go 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 deep here for a second <laughs> okay so i obviously our podcast is uh supported by callaway golf um but before that before partnering up with them both of us admittedly had <laughs> very little uh Callaway Golf Clubs. My favorite club in the bag is my Callaway Maverick Three Wood. Love that club. Hit it very well. So I got fit for a new driver, and my current driver setup is a Titleist TSI Three Nine Degree with a sixty-five gram extra stiff shaft. 
right so it's a heavy shaft with which is very stiff um when i got fit i got put into a 10 and a half degree paradigm driver with a 60 gram stiff mitsubishi chemical kailai white shaft so i would have had and it's black but with a little bit of white okay. on it it's not oh, it's not all white okay that would be very flash for you so you so you've gone for a, a less a less stiff shaft yeah that's apparently what what okay. i was getting i was getting um getting more ball speed off the back of it which is nice and my dispersion was coming in so um and a lot more elevation my my driver okay. the last few last few times i've been going out it's not been peaking at that high so getting more elevation off my drives um so the apex is higher ball flight that's pretty cool so um I'm not not worried about get, taking that getting that new driver at all. I get that this week. Very sorry for that. So you're going to be li- you're going to be living in the driving range the minute that arrives. Then you'll have you'll put the 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 wear on the middle of the driver, just hitting ball after ball straight away. Um, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, I tell you what, though, I am I am I'm not nervous, but I'm apprehensive about getting the new irons because I've had my my current irons since 2020 so what three years now and i i love my irons i have to i'll be honest with you i hate my irons i feel i hit my irons very well yeah and even even i'm very consistent with my irons you are like yeah like i know we did that live driver lesson and like your irons are never the problem like your shot shape with your irons is it's always very straight um and like you can hit a four iron off the deck no like off like an off fairway no problem and it's kind of one of your go it was your your kind of go-to so um it'll be interesting interesting to see i might be able to actually take you down then in a few games while you're making the switch over yeah i like i mean <laughs> the, the, the like this isn't part of a, an ad read or anything i'm just excited to get the new clothes we're also going to do a video about me getting custom fit for the new irons so we'll get all the all the data um and the full numbers and, and be able to put them side by side in terms of the old irons versus the new irons the but, real um, nerdy things yeah real real nerdy things for for that that this is the stuff that makes golf cool that we were talking about last week yeah exactly yeah <laughs> um so yeah i'm i'm yeah like i said not 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 nervous but i'm i'm aware of the fact that i hit my irons very well and changing every iron in your bag is no small no small change you're, you're, but to be fair like them they look really cool like that paradigm driver is one of the coolest looking drivers yeah. the, the the dark kind of blue navy color is so sick yeah um and just on a like a completely non-important level blue is my favorite color so i mean that helps oh but the yellows it depends what it does what they look like they have what they look like is definitely makes a difference because you're gonna stand over the ball looking down on it if it's ugly it's like what was that remember that nike square driver was yellow <laughs> yeah. and like I think I one of the lads had a hit when I was like, "This it just looks horrible as I'm looking down at the ball." It's just oh, yeah, what a ridiculous driver! This big and, uh, yellow square. Yeah, I, I always wanted. You know, that was it. That red one that Tiger and Rory had. It was like ruby red. Yeah, like I don't know how. Like I probably couldn't hit it, but it just looked cool. Yeah, that didn't appeal to me either. It was just it was too bright, too out there. Same way, like you know, like the Mizuno drivers are like the big blue ones. Mm. It's just it's too it's too out there for me. Same way like Bubba Bubba Watson has like that pink driver. That's ridiculous though. But it's you're that's, just like But that's Bubba. And even his visors like from the sixties, like that, that, <laughs> that was that was that was Bubba. Again, he didn't make the visor cool. To go back to no, no, he didn't. Bubba Bubba does not look good. And you know, as he was crying every time he won. 
He's no Luke Donald, but with the test for sure. That's right. You do miss a bit of Bubba, though. A bit of that. Even that bit of difference as well. You, you you miss him. Yeah, he's not been playing too much on live though either. No, and I did see Mc, see McDowell made enough money to to keep his live card or live certificate or. But sure, he's a captain, well. so he can't get relegated because because uh, uh, Lee Westwood, I think Martin Keimer as well both dropped into that like relegation zone where like five lads get kicked out but mm. because they're captains they can't get kicked out okay, so, so no matter how shit you play lee westwood they can't do anything to you yeah but his twitter game is on fire just need eddie pepperell to fire back at him ah, he's a complete he's a complete knob on twitter like, <laughs> like he is like i uh, i love eddie pepperell on twitter Twi- yeah he's great lee westwood's a complete dose though yeah, yeah, he's up there with Scott Hand, <laughs> another complete moron on Twitter. But sure, what can you do? Um, is there anything else on on, on the podcast? Then we've got a we've got a, a an interview with DP World Tour winner, first time winner, coming up just after this. Dan Brown, uh, he was playing the ISPS Handa. You were following him for a few holes on on the weekend at, at up at Galgorm. Uh, he had his first win in the DP World Tour, so we're gonna have a chat with him now. Unless there's anything else. Uh, no, just that was really kind of cool to try and follow him at Gallagher, him and uh, Alex Fitz uh, down the stretch as well. And the two of them, like, like Damar was just hitting bombs, uh, absolute bombs. And it was just um, the way the lads kind of sparked off each other and how they chatted along the way. Like, as if, like it was actually like two mates playing because at one stage, I think Alex Fitz took Dan's putter and had like a waggle with it. You know, when you and I are like waiting to put whatever and you. You're, you're with ones you kind of grab someone's uh, what did you hit there was that three wood guess look at that three wood and like it was just like two mates going at it um so uh yeah it was great following him and he was very very impressive um on the sunday as well just kind of put the foot down and stayed in his zone so congratulations to him on his, on his first win i think there's a, there's a couple more on the way yeah that was a good chat he's possibly one of the most laid-back people i've ever met in my life so he so was so chilled it so was like chilled disconcerting with how relaxed he was and he was like ah oh, no like i just took it all in my stride and it was fine um it was it was a good chat and he was talking about how obviously he was a little concerned a couple of weeks before that in terms of just keeping his tour card then he had a good week on one of those pga slash dp world tour events and then came back over to ireland the next week and won um so that obviously helps <laughs> that obviously goes a long way but he spoke about how like once he had his tour card pretty much sewn up the week before, just by a good result, a top 10 finish, he was playing with a little bit of extra freedom. And it's funny how, like, we've had Seamus Power on, and he he spoke about that as well, like the freedom of of playing, knowing that you have a tour card for next year, just means that you can, you can just swing a little bit easier, you know? It's like a, yeah, it's a feeling that, like, we probably don't get to, to experience at all as regular golfers, but it's a uh, it's interesting how much they talk about how how important that is. Yeah, but like even when you and I play, we're playing against each other. Uh, then all of a sudden, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, the two of us start making mistakes because our match is getting tight and we're playing for a point. Yeah. So do you know what I mean? And and like putts go. We all, you're a great man for looking at putts a little bit longer than when you know you have to sing it to beat me because I have a shot. So like that's what we do when we're playing for a point. Like. <laughs> Playing for your card is it's it the matter so the stuff that goes through your head then in your swing it was just you're not you're not even playing to win you're playing to stay alive you know so yeah 
yeah no, that's very true so um that was a great great chat with dan brown that's coming up now thank you very guy thank you very much guys for listening uh, a little bit of a longer podcast but that's good fun we've got a busy few weeks ahead so um tea time comes out this wednesday but aside from that here's dan brown so hi guys welcome back to another episode of the bogeyman golf podcast with michael and johnny delighted to say we have new dp world tour winner dan brown on the podcast dan how are you Yes, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Has the win uh, has the win sunk in yet? It's been a few weeks, been been a little over a month now. No, it's I st- I still can't quite believe that it that it ever happened. To be honest, um, I'm sort of like trying to at times just like look back on photos and videos and what have you to try and get it sink in, sink in. But um, I actually played with Pablo Rafabal the following week um, after I'd won in Prague. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and he, yeah, and he did say. Obviously, I mean, he's won multiple, multiple times on uh, on the European Tour, DP World Tour, um, and he said the first one is always kind of the strangest one. And then I think he sort of said, once you get your second, then that's when it all kind of tends to sink in. So hopefully, hopefully, we can get a second one, and then it can all sink in and see how that feels. So, uh, where where do you have the trophy? I don't actually have I don't actually have it yet. Oh no. I've got, we've got like a we've got like a little um sort of silver plate that we got given. So I took that back and then that that's actually at the golf club. Oh nice. Club. Yeah, so so I thought that'd be a that, and then I'm not too sure when it's supposed to arrive to be honest. Um but yeah, we'll see. Maybe it might sink in when that arrives. Yeah, I imagine so. So can you talk to us about that event? Like the the ISPS hand is a an interesting event. It's obviously played across two two courses and mixed in with the LPGA and the Ladies European Tour. Yeah. How, how was the the setup for that week in the, in contrast to a usual week? I know obviously the week before you were in the States and we'll chat about that a little bit later on, but how how was that kind of week with obviously a lot of different moving parts going on? Yeah, it was um it actually wasn't it actually wasn't too strange to sort of adapt to um uh, surprisingly it's uh i think in terms of like course setup it seemed a little bit more generous with the pins than what usual weeks would be um but it was actually quite a it was quite a nice thing to get to play some links golf again obviously at castle rock and then and then play at galgom i played at galgom probably about five five six years ago on the challenge tour um and hadn't been back since i think i've I think I missed the cut by one or two, maybe when I went there. So my first time around wasn't too successful, but thankfully the uh, the second time back was was quite a quite a sweet week. Yeah, yeah, pretty different results. Pretty different results for yeah. sure. Um, so what what was it like? Kind of obviously that those two courses are they're not mad close to each other as well. They're about forty minutes an hour away from each other. How was yeah. it kind of changing your game, or did you have to change it much flipping between the two courses? The in the early rounds anyway uh, i think it i think it was just gen it was generally it was just obviously course condition like the throughout the throughout the whole re- week really it was it was pretty windy at both places obviously usually you would probably get it more windy at castle rock than you would at galgon but it seemed to be just windy the whole time so so that adjustment wasn't kind of was kind of just built in really from the start of the week it was just a it was just one of those weeks but in terms of like, obviously, uh, course conditions. Obviously, Castle Rock's being a bit firmer, 
but I managed. I played Castle Rock the day before the Thursday. I got. I got played Castle Rock on the Thursday, and then I played it the day before um, on the Wednesday in the practice round. So it was kind of quite nice to just go from one day to the next. Sure. Playing Castle Rock, so you kind of it's like fresh in your memory then what what the ball kind of does when it hits the greens or how it's running out and that kind of thing. And then going back to Galgom on the Friday was. I think it's probably it was probably an easier way to do it. I think like an easier way round to do it where you get go from firm to then soft because you just know at Galgom it was just gonna it was just pitching and stopping so you kind of just play into numbers. Sure. So I felt like that maybe went in my favour, um, just in terms of having that little advantage of going from Castle Rock to Galgom rather than Galgom to Castle Rock. I think. Do you, Do you think like it's uh, the way the tournament's run? Do you think it could be something? The deeper water does more of, or would you prefer it to be on a normal four days in the one? I hope. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like it every week. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. I'm sure we had. Um, I think it was on Challenge Tour actually last year when I was on Challenge Tour last year. There was a few events in South Africa where they play over two courses, and you've kind of just got to get there that extra day, day and a half earlier. Um. And then weeks do seem quite long. It was, it was, it's nice to have the odd week where you're playing a couple of, couple of golf courses throughout the week. And obviously, we've got the Dunhill coming up next week, which is three courses. So that's a, that's even, even more still. Um, that's a minefield on itself. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot of moving parts to the Dunhill. Yeah, but in generally, in t- when you when you're on one golf course, it's. It, the week tends to feel a little bit shorter, which is obviously nice. You kind of feel a bit more fresh and you don't have to play two practice rounds. Yeah. Can you talk to us about the, the final round? I, I was watching your highlights there this morning from that final round. Yeah. Um, I guess a, a shaky enough or a nervous enough start with, with Alex Fitzpatrick running running close to you, getting to within two shots at one point. But you steadied the ship kind of from the, the, the fifth hole onwards. Yeah. From, from there on out, what, what was that like where you knew that you know, a, a momentous moment was, was coming up for you. Yeah, it was, I mean, I was, the whole weekend, I was very, very nervous. I might not have seemed it, or I kind of, I was thinking I don't really want to give Alex too much here. Like, even if, even when I did make them a couple of bogeys on the, on the start of the Sunday, um, and obviously, he, I don't know if he made one or two birdies as well. So it was kind of a quite a big three or four shot swing early doors. But I was just kind of saying to myself, I don't, emotionally I don't want to give him anything it's sort of almost a bit of a match play moment you don't want to you don't want your opponent to think that you're feeling under the cosh or or you're feeling that bit of pressure so I was trying to stay even though inside I was extremely nervous I was kind of on the outside I was trying to portray the sort of calm cold collected sort of so then, when 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 that final putt then drops, what's what's the emotional release then from from the, from that moment? Like obviously, I saw it when we were when I was watching it and watching it back. But like, yeah, to to you, what does that mean? Because I, I know that your your journey was was far from straightforward, and you know you were on the Euro Pro for a few years, and you you did an interview previously about how whilst you were on the Euro Pro, you're talking about how you probably weren't working hard enough for making the sacrifices yeah. you needed to. Um. So when you did start making those changes and you got your first one on the DP World Tour, what did that how did that feel? I mean, it was incredible. I kind of the the moment it kind of all 
that I kind of knew I'd won was was after I'd hit my tee shot on 18, really. Obviously, once you get that away, that was kind of, I think that was then the release rather than the, the putt dropping, if you if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was such a, it was such a cool feeling to, I think a lot of guys, obviously it's, it's very rare that you win and you have an enjoyable walk down 18, I suppose. Um, there's normally, generally it tends to be one or two shots in it and you, and it's going right down to the wire where that was like a really nice way to kind of share it with my caddy walking down 18 and, and having that little bit of, um, that little bit of leeway and that bit of comfort, I suppose, walking down 18. And then once that went in, yeah, I just, I didn't know how to react. I didn't know whether to do a big, huge fist pump or to cry or whatever. I had no idea what was going on, to be honest. Because your, your rookie season as a whole, so this season yeah. on DP World Tour, was actually like incredibly consistent. 23 events played, 20 cuts made, three top 10s, and then, of course, the win. Like we yeah. see, we see a lot of rookies kind of drown in a, what's like a sink or swim situation for a lot of players. Like we've seen it, obviously, a few a few rookie winners this year in terms of Rowan, like Tom McKinnon, yeah. he got a win this year as well. But but you guys are an anomaly. You know, you're you're definitely in the minority of of rookies. So what what's the secret been for this year? I'm not too sure. Sh- Do you know what? I'm not too sure. I think I don't. I'm not really much of a goal setter, to be honest. Okay. I just tend to, I just tend to sort of like take parts of my game and sort of like dissect it and think, right, what do I need to prove, improve for this year? And then kind of just go from there and just go out and play and enjoy it. Cause I felt like my first couple of years as a pro, I really kind of struggled, wasn't enjoying it. Um, and then sort of left me in a bit of a dark place where I was kind of thinking about quitting and, didn't touch a golf club for five, six months and and that kind of thing. But I think that all stemmed from just putting too much pressure on myself and thinking about the money and all that kind of thing. So it was, it's been a, I think it was good for me to go through that hard time because then you sort of realise it's, well, I'd like to think it's never going to get as dark as that again. Um, and then now since, since I kind of came back out of COVID, um, I've been fortunate enough to have, sort of um sponsorship and help from CTSWS and then obviously Sports Direct and they kind of took a big punt on me which which I very much appreciate and that was that was at a time where they I mean I was kind of just playing one day events. I wasn't even really playing Euro Pro again yet. Um so I probably hadn't shown anything that would suggest that what was going to happen this year. Um certainly not so quick but um yeah, I think I just came out of COVID and came out of that period after I had struggled for a couple of years and was just a lot more carefree and I just wanted to enjoy playing golf again, basically. Safe, so, safe to say you're enjoying your golf at the moment? Yeah, yeah, certainly, yeah, I certainly am, yeah. Like I, I followed you a bit on, on Saturday up in Galgorm and it, like, yeah. it, it looked like you guys were, like you and Fitz were enjoying enjoying yourselves mm-hmm. like it, it like I, cause I sent you i was saying to johnny i was like it's like it's like two mates battling here have like you know and like whatever he was doing you were getting yeah. closer and like i think it was one of them like he he hit a monster drive and he was just sitting there choked himself and then you cut the corner on one of them and hit this absolute bomb 
and it was he, he turned around, just looked at his cat. He's like, he just keeps hitting them further. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. To be honest, I think, I think one of the reasons I've kind of been able to do well out here is because I think my my whole game tends to be pretty solid. I wouldn't say I'm really world class or exceptional at at one particular thing. Everything kind of is pretty solid, I would say. Um, so I think that helps certainly when you're coming out onto onto the DP, obviously being a rookie and stuff, because the golf course is uh, longer, the setup harder, the pins are tucked away, and like just everything about it is just is just more difficult. Um, so I think if you do have like a solid game all round, I think if you are having a hot, off day with a driver or your irons aren't quite quite on, then I feel like I can. I feel like I can bail myself out of the. Out of that, um, by obviously the rest of the rest of my game, hopefully being, being pretty solid. You played in the uh, the Barbasol just the the week before that. Yeah. What was what was that experience like? Because obviously now the like obviously your first year on on DP World Tour, but the DP World Tour has gone through a lot of changes as well with that partnership yeah. with the PGA Tour. That's an event that I guess if you were on the tour a year or two or two years beforehand, you wouldn't have had that opportunity. Um, yeah. What What was that experience like? What was it like to play in the states? That was amazing. Yeah, I think that was that was probably the week really that freed that freed me up afterwards when I once I got back. So I did have like a good result there, and I felt like I've done enough to keep my card now. So that was kind of a bit of a relief um, and a bit of a weight off my shoulders. And then obviously going to Galgom and and obviously playing well there, but the the America the experience in America was just amazing. Like the way that the events run and, and I mean you get there on the we got I think we we arrived on the Monday night, I think. Um probably about eleven thirty, twelve o'clock and then you straight in the airport, get your bags and then there's someone there in the, with a desk with a handing you over keys to a brand new Lexus and you're like, This is just like a different different world and that's obviously one of their probably smaller events as well. Um, but yeah, it was just amazing. I loved the whole week there. Um, just, it was actually my first time in America as well. So. Oh, ever really? Yeah. So that was, um, I think I maybe just enjoyed it that bit more, obviously with, with it being my first time in America as well, obviously doing a bit of exploring and kind of seeing what it's like over there. Well, where'd you explore? Where'd you go? Uh, I mean, we were, we were like Kentucky and I've been told it's one of the worst places to go in america but i still loved it <laughs> uh, but they have like a they're like crazy for their horses and stuff over there so so yeah it was a it was a cool experience that week did you watch any horse racing did you go see anything no we didn't no i think it i think they were out of season at the time um but i do like my horse racing i'm guessing you guys probably do as well being irish <laughs> yeah i got a, got a bit of a family connection yeah. to the horse racing so you're a good yeah, yorkshire yeah. man you definitely definitely into the horses yeah yeah, I love go- York races is is my probably my my favorite. If I was to plan a day out or a, or what have you, that York races is the one for me. Yeah. Did you go to the races then after you won? You came home go go see a few races. I think, no, I think it was the I think it was the week before or two weeks before I actually went. Yeah. Very nice. So. <clears throat> but yeah, over in Barbasol, you had a great result. What tied tied for seventh, and like you're saying, yeah. that that pretty much sewed up your card for for this year. That must be nice, and you were saying that it was also very freeing, knowing that like 
for the rest of the season not that you can free will but you're playing with a freedom now have you found yeah. that you're playing with a bit more of that freedom now going on um Robert, I mean, as much as I don't set goals, you obviously in the back of your head, you kind of have a idea of what you idea of what you want to do. And I think this game will always chuck up little sort of pressures and and things you want to strive towards. Um, so now it's like I was, I thought I'd be a bit more carefree, but now I've won and kind of got myself up the up the races of high rankings. I'm looking towards that top fifty now, and and so it's always like there's always something to play for. So. I'd say I've definitely relaxed, but not as much as I thought I maybe might. Um, because obviously I just I really want to push and get get into that race of Dubai tournament at the end of the year. You were you were saying like even you were nervous in Galgram. Do you think that gives you that little extra bump though to perform? Just kind of concentrates your mind a little bit because like for even from watching you, very your like your ball striking was so good for the whole week and. Like I, I said to Johnny, I like, Johnny, I think he's. This is going to be a craning on Sunday. It's like I can't see Dan losing this. He's just he feels so strong. So I, I'm not. I was actually surprised here. You said you felt nervous. Yeah, yeah, I was extremely nervous, but um, it's it's good. I think I've I've had experience of being in con- probably I haven't actually been in contention really this year on DP. I've kind of I've had some good results, but I've never really quite felt like I've been in a position to actually win. Um, but had a couple of those opportunities last year on Challenge Tour, and I think that's what sort of stood me in good stead at, at Galgon, really. And then hopefully now, if I do get myself in that position again, I can give it a good go. And obviously I know I can handle the the pressure, and I was feeling a lot of pressure. It was like your body does all sorts of things like I couldn't feel my legs at times I was like shaking my breathing was all over the place and just it was it's a it's a bit of a whirlwind and some of the thoughts that come into you come into your head when there's water on one side of the hole or or what have you if there's like trouble lurking some of the things that go through your mind I mean it is crazy really I don't think a sort of your average golfer would probably believe me if I said what was going through my head at, at certain points um but yeah I'm, I'm I'm hoping it stands me in good stead even for the rest of the season and obviously the rest of my career what do you do in those moments when you're uh when when your mind is kind of going crazy do you do you work with a sports psych or anything like that just to to try and center yourself no I've, I've always been quite I've always been quite calm and level-headed really um don't really get too sort of emotional um so i've never i've never actually really worked with a psychologist to be honest um but i think once when when i start feeling nervous i think i'd probably just try and chat a bit more to my caddy or playing partners or just try and try and do what you can to distract you yourself from thinking about that you sort of talk ball or horse racing or whatever it might be just yeah just try and chat as much rubbish as you can to take your mind off it I suppose how long have you had the caddy on the bag for uh he's just been just this year um so he was caddying for one of my friends last year and then once once I got my card from Q school I sort of um rang him up and see if he wanted to wanted to take the job um so and it's obviously it's obviously been really good um I've had a successful it's probably his I think it's his first 
probably full year out here as well. So so nice for the both of us to have a to have a good rookie rookie kind of year. Yeah, it seems to be going going pretty well pretty well for you as a as a partnership. Yeah. Um, so what what did the next few weeks look like for you? Because you're currently what fortieth in the in the race to Dubai. You said you want yeah. that top fifty. What have you got to do to stay stay inside that number? To be honest, I'm not I'm not actually too sure. I'm just gonna kind of I'm just gonna kinda go week to week and what I have been doing really and just focusing on that on that one week. I'm really looking forward to Dunhill. That's gonna be a, a great experience. That's obviously one you watch on TV. You have the celebrities and it's a bit of a mixed in kind of program. So I think that'll be a that'll be a great week and try and enjoy that. I've got family coming up. Um and then I'm kind of just gonna play it by ear, really. I'm I'm sort of if I'm in if I've managed to put myself in the next two or three weeks in a really good position, then I'll probably miss Qatar, I think. Sure. Just to try and take a take a, a little two week break. I think sometimes sometimes a week off doesn't even feel like you've had a week off really. I always think sometimes that just that extra week, that's kind of two week break, you could come out of that a lot more refreshed than you use from just one week, so so if I can preserve a bit of energy going into Ned Bank and hopefully the race to Dubai, then I'll then I probably will do. Very nice. Um, well, isn't it? It's obviously the Ryder Cup week as well, so we got to talk to this. We, we talk to yeah. a professional golfer about the Ryder Cup. What do you What do you make yeah. of uh, of Marcus Simone, the teams, everything? What do you make of the course? You obviously played at the Italian Open. Yeah, we played at Italian Open. I think it was probably about May time. I mean, I I found it really difficult. It was a very, very tough like test of golf. It was, it was long, lots of elevated greens. It was pretty firm. Um, the rough is just unbelievable around there. It's, um, it's very much a wedge it back out kind of, kind of style. I don't know how they. I don't know if it's going to be a similar setup to what, what we played it, but. I think as a spectator golf course, though, for the Ryder Cup, it'll be absolutely incredible because there's. There's so much space there um, between holes and the viewing will be incredible. They've got quite a lot of sort of like hills in between holes and stuff. So you kind of feel like the spectators are going to be raised up. They're going to be able to see everything. So it'll be a, I think it'll be a really good venue for the Ryder Cup. Um, in terms of like scoring and and how the how the guys are going to get on, it's, it's very much dependent on how they set, up, set it up. If they set it up like they did for us, then you're probably not going to see too many birdies, maybe certain little stretches, but um, I think they might, I think a lot of pars are probably going to win a few more holes than, than Ryder Cups in the past, I would have said. Okay. That'd be interesting. Um, yeah. what, what, what kind of golfer would like, like what's, what's the premium there for getting around Marcus Money? Is it, is it approach play? Is it driving accuracy? Is it a, a weird combination of everything? I think it's very much driving. Um, because I think you've you've got a, a fair few holes with raised greens and and like I said, if they if they are firm, being out the fairway is just going to be so important. So I think guys like McElroy and this um this new kid on the block is it Ludwig Aberg? Yeah, yeah. I think them two. It, I would say I would say it probably suits them two guys because they're such good drivers of the ball. Um, so I think he was a. I, do think he was a really good pick just with how good he is tee to green um and he's i mean he's up there in driving accuracy and he's 
and he's not short of short of length either. So it could be a pretty lethal combination, I think. How did you get to see much of Aberg? Were you playing over in in Switzerland? No, I didn't. I've I've seen him. I think he played he played Prague and then um, and then I saw him at Wentworth, but I haven't actually seen him hit balls or anything. Um, I've just obviously watched on TV, and every time I watch him, it just seems like he's smashing it down the fairway and wedging it inside ten feet. So uh, it seems pretty good to me. It's hard to argue with that, all right. Um, yeah. What do you yeah. make of the team? You must have a good few guys, good, good few mates on the team. Like obviously, you play with with Bob McIntyre, Nikolai Hogard, week in, week out. Have you spoke yeah. to those boys at all? I haven't actually. Um, I wouldn't say I'm probably. I'm probably not close enough to any of them to. I'd say I'm pretty pretty friendly with uh, Bob McIntyre, but I haven't really haven't really spoke to him about it. Um, well, I presume you saw his but, nice big European pajamas he was wearing. Yeah, last I night. Did, yeah, <laughs> I did see that. Yeah, I don't know if he's bought them or they've been given out to him or what, but um, yeah, that was a that was a good one for the old social media, wasn't it? It was a nice touch. The, yeah. the, man, the man loves social media, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. How yeah, do you think? Like, how do you think the Ryder Cup's going to go for us then, from a European perspective? I think I'm quite I'm quite hopeful and positive about our chances. Really, um, I just think that I just think that golf course is is probably going to set up in favour of the Europeans. Obviously, obviously they're going to do what they can to. They've probably done the research research and into all stats and kind of thing and all that kind of thing. So, um, but I think it's definitely, it's a very like Europe, European resort kind of golf course. Um, so yeah, I do, I do think, I think we've just got that bit more, or it seems certainly seems to me anyway, there's just that bit more passion and that bit more sort of importance that's put on the Ryder Cup from the European side. Um, yeah, like we obviously the, the Americans are taking it seriously, but it just always seems like we've got that extra bit of kind of fire. And when it comes down to the stretch, you always kind of really fancy the Europeans over the Americans. I I always think. Yeah, we, we just we just threw a poll on our Instagram just kind of last night about who we thought were the favourites. We had like hundred and seventy yeah. votes, and like 68 percent of people were saying the Europeans are the favourites. So it seems yeah. everyone's kind of thinking that, which worries me. I that that worries me. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think if you look at it player for player, and you look through the world rankings, obviously the Americans have got a ridiculously strong team. Um, but I think that definitely gets leveled out by how the Europeans kind of carry themselves. I would have like you've got that kind of you just them. Um, I don't know. Just you just think of all the big moments in Ryder Cups, and you just always think you just always think back to Team Europe, don't you? Yeah, you just the Europeans just seem to find an extra level, an extra gear. Yeah, that they just like even even like even Rose. Like every time when when Johnny was saying we should have Rose in the team, I was just straight away thinking about the whole the game against Phil Mickelson and Madonna. stuff like yeah, uh, like yeah, it's just yeah. somewhere some the lads just find something, you know? <laughs> yeah. So will you yeah, will you be, so will, will you be stuck to the TV now or? I mean, I I've I've just had a couple of days off and I do need to do some practice, <laughs> yeah. so I'm gonna have to pry myself away yeah. from the TV for for a few hours. Um, 
I'm sure the driving range can lash it on somewhere in the corner for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just take my iPad down with me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'll probably try and schedule my practice around what I want to see. I'll probably, I'm but I think I'd rather, I'd rather watch the uh, the four balls. I think so. So whenever the four balls is is on, I'll be I'll be at home. And then if the foursomes is on, I'll make that my practice time. Not a fan of foursomes now. I just I just think the I just think foursomes is a bit of a funny game. I do like it, but I just think it's a bit of a funny game. I don't think you see the the high standard of what you do if you're playing your own ball. I think it's very much like you can you can go 15 minutes right in a golf shot, which is kind of a, a strange. Obviously, you could hit a tee shot and one hole, and then your partner hits a second shot, and then he's got the next tee shot again. So then you've you could go, you could almost go two holes without without swinging a golf club and just hitting a maybe one or two putts. So it's kind true. of a strange dynamic, really. That's true. Yeah, I guess if your if your partner stitches an approach shot to, to to kick in range, you're picking that up, so you're not even hitting the putt in that hole. Yeah, off to the next one, and you're not hitting yeah. the tee shot again. I think it's certainly a lot a lot more difficult to stay kind of stay fresh and and warmed up properly and kind of ready for that next shot. So. So I think you'll see a lot better. Obviously, you see a lot better golf. I think standard of golf in four ball, four ball better ball is. Um, so that'll that'll get me uh, that'll get me glued. For sure. Uh, I'm going to ask you did uh, the most difficult question. Then uh, ask for a prediction. Mm-hmm. Prediction. I'm going Europe. Okay, I'll take that. I've I'll got, take I've that. I've got to, haven't I? Yeah, you you kind you kind of do. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. But, but no, I genuinely do actually think Europe are going to win. So. That's good. Yeah. yeah. No, I think yeah. we're our our hearts are saying Europe, but our heads are prob- probably saying the States. Yeah. But that's just the pessimist in us, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> well listen, Dan, thanks very much for the chat. Really appreciate you coming on. Um good luck over the next few weeks and no doubt we'll see you in uh in Dubai for the, the tour championship. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Really Cheers. appreciate it. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute. The millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. 